This is 10% Hog, 20% Finn, 15% Xander J.R. Fagerson, 5% Cherry, 50% Price, and 100% Adherence to Gregor Townsend Advice. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Tartan Rugby, bringing you the latest Scottish rugby news in the 2021 Guinness Six Nations. Tonight, Tim and I are rejoined in the virtual studio by Chris and Ian, who you may remember from episode one where we discussed the Calcutta Cup. Tonight, we'll be talking about Scotland's heroic away win over France for the first time since 1999 on a very rainy night in Paris. Chris, what are your thoughts on Friday's game? Um, I've only just recovered, I feel. Um, I think, for me personally, it was probably my favourite game to watch out of the entire Six Nations. I don't know whether it was because it was a Friday night and I needed I needed something to distract me from a busy week at work or if it was just the fact it was a cracking game of rugby or both. Um, I thought Scotland were, were really good going forward and they, I think, something that's been a theme throughout the Six Nations, but it's good to see that they capped off what I think everyone agrees is a strong Six Nations performance with a with a control with a controlled performance as well um it was really good ian what are your thoughts well firstly thanks for having us back i think you can relate scotland's luck directly to having chris and i on the pod uh you know we are uh, we were there at the start and now we're here at the end and we won both so <laughs> see you've seen the light uh good game wasn't it great game to finish on um yeah, it was sort of it was the complete package, wasn't it? I think there was there's nothing more to say on that. I think they they've realised their errors from the the Wales and Ireland game and just uh, learned and and pushed through France, um, even with the sin binning and the cards, which I'm sure we'll go into. But yeah, just great game, wasn't it? And even if you're a neutral, I mean, maybe not if you're English because you've got France, Scotland, and Wales to support. What do you do? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, good game. Really, really great to watch. Yeah, thanks, guys. I think it's definitely safe to say that not everything went Scotland's way in that game, so it was great they could get the result they wanted. Tim, do you have any yeah, thoughts right. on the game? I agree with you. I mean, I think the key moments in games is, are when things don't go your way, and you know you lose. For instance, when they lost Stuart Hulk at the end of the first half, but yeah, they had the they've managed to get away from that corner with that lineout. I think if France had scored in that last, at the very end of that first half, I wonder if, uh, you know, it would have been a very different result. And they did the same with Finn Russell in the second half. They didn't, an encouraging thing, I think, Scotland didn't panic when these sort of, the rub of the green went against you. They just sort of seemed to sort of get their game plan and go for it. And I think that's very important against France. If you if you can keep that, everything going. If you just let France out of the bag for too long, that you're going to suffer. But they... They really just held on to France. Great game. Fantastic. And the guys played really, really well. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. We certainly did play very well indeed. And huge credit to the guys for seeing out Scotland's Six Nations campaign on a massive high. I'd just like to take a moment to apologise to our fans for not having a French representative on the panel tonight. However, we did have a phone-in from a young lady called Camille who plays her rugby down in Marseille. And this is what Camille had to say about Friday's game. Hello, Tartan Rugby. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, I think overall in the championship, I uh, believe we really dominated with a really good attitude towards our games. Um, I have to say, I feel Hogg's comment admitting that 
the French team are perhaps arrogant, uh, are public confidence irritated his side. It is very unjust, you know, we come here to play, that is what the Six Nations is for. We turn up and we play a good game. So if you don't have confidence, then really, you know, you should not be here. Um, especially, we were very disappointed by Van der Merwe's uh, double movements, you know, especially against the Wales game. You know, it is, you know, TMO, 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 TMO all the time. It really, really ruins the flow of the game. And then to see, obviously, that uh, the ref in this match, straight away, first try, no TMO at all. And it was definitely a double movement. So, you know, for, for me personally, this was particularly disappointing. You know, it, it, it came down to, you know, I think that the ref was very unfair in this and in many other occasions in this match as well, which I will speak about in a minute, you know. I, I believe, uh, you know, Doulan with our first try, he was out wide. It was really great with his spacing, came over. It was fantastic to see that, you know, followed by Penal. He had an excellent try, in fact, and that is where I believe perhaps that uh, there should have been another red card. Ali Price, he tackled. It was uh, off the ball tackle. And I believe, you know, this definitely should have been red carded by the referee. So it is very, very disappointing, I think, from that uh, respect. And as well as that, you know, you had also uh, Russell coming across with his uh, red card where, you know, he tried to decapitate one of our players. You know, very disappointing to see, especially he played for uh, Racing 92. So I thought perhaps maybe there might be some more sportsmanship there. But, you know, perhaps it was an accident. But, you know, it obviously was. But, you know, I think that from that perspective, thank goodness, the ref finally pricked up and paid attention. Uh, you know, but as well as that, you know, he started a fight with Dupont, you know, which is not nice to see at all, which started obviously our, a large fight. But uh, I think overall, you know, with the game, uh, the wet weather conditions, you know, Scotland played well. They are used to that from rainy Scotland, maybe, I think. But we definitely came, we delivered uh, not to the not to the final result that we wanted. And I think overall it was a disappointing finish for us. But, you know, we look forward to the next Six Nations and especially with the uh, World Cup coming up in 2023. It will be a great uh, time for us in uh, French rugby to see in the home nation the support behind us for the World Cup. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. I look forward to hearing the podcast and everything else. But congratulations to Scotland for winning the game. Uh, disappointing for France to lose in the uh, final game. But uh, thank you again. Uh, au revoir. Well, merci beaucoup for that, Camille. A lot of interesting points there. Clearly not very happy with some of the referees' decisions. Ian, do you have any response to that? I'll pick my words carefully, I suppose. <laughs> I can't wait till we go to World Cup in 2023 to Marseille. I can't wait to meet Camille. <laughs> um, the ref not using the TMO. Look at all the French refs. What? The f yeah, look at all the French refs. Never use the TMO. That's madness. A fight with Dupont. So it was like shoving shoulders. Russell decapitating, that's a load of bull. And <laughs> and Van der Merver's double movement, I think he was pushed over the line, but hey, it's up for debate. Um we can go into the Russell red card in a bit, because that's quite a big one for rugby, I think, in general. But um yeah, the ref not using the TOMO, uh, <laughs> that's frustrating because the French refs are awful. So anyway, move on. <laughs> so, so you think that was the, the right decision there, then there was no double movement. You think he was pushed over the line. Do you think oh. the ref maybe should have gone to the TMO just to 
make sure. Yeah, I think. Yeah, there. I think. The, yeah, the TMO is there for a reason, isn't it? And um, and if there was any doubt, um, then yeah, you go to the TMO, don't you? Um, so, but you know, that being said, um, it was given, and um, Wayne Barnes obviously thought there was nothing wrong with it. Um, I don't know what the I don't know what the rule is if it's double movement or being pushed over the line. It looked like he was pushed over the line by his own forwards, so I think that's a try. Um, you know, um, but yeah, again, it's it's one of those fifty fifties um, that can can swing the game, I suppose. But yeah, Barnes is well positioned to sort of see it. I, I, I think this sort of double movement is almost something you've got to perceive. If you actually, you know, if you're there and you feel he's just shoved over, you. You know, it's a feeling. It's, it's probably something that's quite hard to get from the camera in that position. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair call. Might be given sometimes. <laughs> it might not. Uh, you know, difficult. But I think he was. It was such a difficult call because there's you know f- players coming in behind to sort of give him the shove, and you know you just really don't quite know what went went on there. Yeah, and these things often look worse when they're played back in slow motion as well. Mm. Chris, what's your thoughts? Do you have any response to Camille there? Yeah, I think I think it's interesting just on the double movement point and the TMO being used or not being used. I, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know if it's different in a try situation, but if the TMO feels like there's something that's been grossly missed or the referee's got had a howler, they can always call them back. They can always say, stop weighing. Um, I think you need to take a look at something before awarding the try. Is that is that not the case, or is that... Yeah, that's the case. Yeah. Case is yeah, yeah. the referee is the sole arbiter of the law, but the you know the TMO has a responsibility to, or particularly foul play or anything, is to bring things to the referee's attention. Yeah. So if there is concerns, and the, as I said, at the end of the day, the referee will make the decision. So I, I think on that on the, on an issue like like that, I think uh, he probably just went on his own judgment, and yeah. it's, it's going to be you know Camille made a made a point. I guess if the try had gone the other way. You know, we might be having the same same question. Yeah, absolutely. We'd be having a, we'd be having a different discussion. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think just on that double movement point, I think uh, whether it would be at momentum, it did look like there was there was some sort of movement from him. But as you said, on on field decision would have been a try. There would have been some debiety on it. So I don't see as if there was anything convincing that would have overturned it. But I think maybe the use of the TMO might have you know, quelled any French frustrations. Um, I thought I, I, th- I thought what Camille said, actually, the interesting one, actually, you, you know, I think the Vandenberg try will be dis- discussed a lot. But I, I guess the other interesting one was on the Penno try, because Penno was obviously awarded the try uh, and the conversion was missed, mm-hmm. as it turned out. I mean, in that, those points. Mm-hmm. But the other decision, yeah. if, 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 funnily enough, if he hadn't grounded it, or, or I guess he still could attempt. He could have awarded a potentially a penalty try. Yeah. With the automatic convert, with the automatic points mm. on the conversion, and you know, it's another. That would have been a huge game changer because if he'd awarded a penalty yeah. try, he would at least have had to have given probably Price a yellow card. Yeah. I felt a bit sorry for Price because I think he genuinely. I don't think it was a. You, you know, Penno was in front and yeah. he, he tackled it, which is what what you do. Couldn't see the ball. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's funny because it's a fantastic finish from Pino. It's a fantastic gather and put down, um, especially being tackled from the back like that. And um, I think it's one that I don't know whether they will, but refs might look at the way that that's refereed in future because you're right, Tim. That's essentially a it's a, it's a two points lost for 
for something that wasn't even under his control. Yeah, and I saw a game recently where a similar thing happened and the try wasn't awarded. But as I say, the penalty try then was given and the and, and the binning as well. So yeah. so those that is a big, quite a big decision area. So maybe that's one that will be brought uh, Having said that, let's say a second thought. Penno, isn't he a... He looks quite. He looks to me always quite gangly, but aside of being very fast, very elusive, he's also very strong, isn't he? Yeah. He's a. Yeah. He's a. He's a good player. You know, I think. I think he offers a lot more to the French team than the, the, uh, Thomas does. He, you know, he's. He always. Is, you know, he can come in and out of the game, but Peno is always in that game. He's always catching the ball. He's making the tackle. He's. He's out there. He's a very talented player. One of the. One of the stars of the of the Six Nations, I think. He's also clearly pretty good off the boot as well, being able to chip it in that manner, yeah. running at such a fast speed. It's very impressive. Something a little resamit about him. I would say there. <laughs> what are your What are your thoughts as a as a scrum a scrum half yourself, Ian? What do you think, Ali Ali Price? There, do you think that should have been a card? No, I mean, as I say, I think um, I mean it's it's on the it's on the edge, like um, like Tim said. But if um, you're chasing you're chasing back, and I don't know if he could see the ball, and you know the way it bounced, it could easily have bounced up into Penno's uh, Penno's arms. Maybe that's what he thought. But um, yeah, I think I think in the moment it's, it seemed pretty fair. It didn't seem too cynical. Um, but uh, you don't know, like you know, like Chris said, it's maybe something that they're going to look at and change change the laws on. But um, yeah, you can understand from Ali Price's point of view that he's just chasing back and maybe couldn't see um, that the ball wasn't actually in his arms. But, I mean, scrum half, get away with it. What are you going to say? No, I, I agree with you there, Ian. It definitely didn't look malicious. And I think everyone can agree on that, except maybe Camille. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to Stuart Hogg, who was yellow-carded. Obviously, the card didn't go Scotland's way. However, they didn't panic. They managed to, I would probably say, the one player you would not want Scotland to lose, uh, not just for his ability, but also having him as fullback would be Stuart Hogg, uh, number 15. Um, but yeah, they seem to handle it very well. I think that's what's been the, the biggest thing throughout the Six Nations is that Every game we've been in has been tight and competitive, and, and we as a team have been in. We've been competitive in every single game, and even when there's cards thrown about, um, we've not lost our shit. You know, we've, we've just carried on, and um, and yeah, losing Hog. You know, ordinarily, you know, last year, year before, um, you would think we're just going to crumble, and that's when France put pressure on, but we didn't. And I think that's what's that's what's been really impressive, and that's that's nearly every game now that we've that we've. Um, that we've yeah you've been we've been right up there um so yeah no i think just generally the the team's um on the right track in that respect you know um it's not um you know moments of glory throughout the game it, it's consistent for the 80 minutes i think um and and there, there's cohesion so yeah it's good no, no it's a good game i think i think yeah. what was impressive from scotland was the fact that um they managed to whatever Gregor Townsend or whatever Hoggy said in the changing room, uh, they managed to clean up in the second half. So 11, because 11 penalties, as John Barkley said on the halftime discussion, that's probably your aim to get no more than 10 penalties, double figures in an entire game. So for them to commit 11, uh, a yellow card was bound to come. And albeit Hogs was a bit innocuous, but it was a penalty and it, it, it was the right decision. But to come back out in the second half and only concede four penalties, 
when France arguably had the momentum um, and were on top at the start of the second half, it's it, it speaks volumes as to the mindset of the Scottish players and the mindset of the Scottish camp to be able to focus on what's going wrong and adjust it in-game, which I feel is something that's been lacking in previous Six Nations. Yeah, no, I mean, as I say, they certainly did something right at the start of that second half because you really, you know, you really felt the French were just going to come and come at them and, and they, you know, Scotland seemed to handle that period particularly well. So it's uh, a big plus to a big plus to Scotland. I think that they, uh, I think when Scotland, you know, just focusing on you know keeping attention to ball is key, which you sometimes when you're down a man you do. You know, the failing against France is always giving them the ball because they just mm. might do something crazy. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you know, keeping that keeping that keeping the ball on the going because both sides were good when they had the ball, and it was really. You know, just keeping that ball, not letting the opposition get to I think, it. As I say, Scotland performed well in that. Period. Yeah, and I think I think on that, you know, on on keeping the ball, Tim, it's huge credit to our forwards now. I mean, in games gone past and years gone past, we would we, we lack in physicality or have done, and I think we're right up there now. Um, you know, we just stuck it to the French side, and you know, again, play, playing games against you know England and Ireland, who are a big physical forward pack. Um, you know, we've got the the sort of time and the, the heads up rugby to play well in the in the forward. So that's something that's that's really gone um has really improved I think with our with us. Um you know and, and we are capable of um of you know retaining that ball especially at breakdown. So yeah, no they did a very good job at keeping possession during those pivotal moments in the game. However, when they did have to defend, one man really stood out, number 13 Chris Harris who had an excellent game. Chris, I see you nodding there. You got uh, what's your thoughts on Chris Harris's um, name? He's got a fantastic first name for one, um, <laughs> um, but he just defensively. Um, I had a discussion with one of my mates at work. He was saying it's a shame that Hugh Jones isn't in and Chris Harris is 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 in in, in addition. And I think he sent me a couple of WhatsApps at the start of the um, at the start of the match because offensively or going in through an attack, uh, Chris Harris dropped a couple passes and he made one sloppy pass and and he said why is he in and I, and then you you see the defensive skill that Chris Harris has you see the work rate off the ball and you see the way that he covers players and tracks back and um, for me it's no question that he he's really helped cement that back line to be really consistent and and disciplined his line spin's really good and and when things and when gaps do start to open up, because the French do, they target in between players and and they make it difficult for Scotland not to commit two players to a tackle and, and create that open space. He's really good at becoming aware and actually making sure that the man on his back is covered and coming out. So I, yeah, I really rated his performance. I thought it was great. Um, and he, I don't know if anyone else saw it, but he, he took a pretty big hit off the uh, French 13. Did you see, did you see that? <laughs> and he managed to dust it off. Um, so, yeah, he's a, he's an absolute beast. Yeah, he's a physical player. I mean, that's a, that's a quite a, you know, front-on sort of um, French midfield, and, you know, particularly back at yeah. who is ginormous. You know, I, I can imagine having to line up against him must, you know, you, you know 
put a bit of a quiver in the body or whatever. But he, he seems to be totally on phase. He's he's happy to play that sort of yeah. game. There was a few times when the, the French team certainly seemed to have numbers out wide. And huge credit to Chris Harris for his drift defence. Mm -hmm. Literally watching him sprinting at 100% to, yeah, just crunch a boy. It's It's good to see. <laughs> Do you think we were lacking something in attack? Obviously, Hugh Jones, a great attacking player. Do you think we were missing anything there? I think, yeah, well, you could say that, I suppose, yeah. Um, but, I mean, the back lines, you know, um, is wicked now and there's such depth there. You know, we could have had Hugh Jones on at any time. Uh, I don't know if it was needed. Um, we get such solid ball from the forwards now. We can, I think it's our creativity. You know, with Finn Russell on the pitch, you can see we're kicking well and we're getting into space. But maybe we need more through the hands and and really, you know, using some of our back players to give them the opportunity to. Because we, you know, we're getting quick ball. We've got we've, we've got retention. Maybe it's just we need a bit more creativity um, through the line um, instead of all all the kick. I think I think if you know, let's give credit to Gregor Townsend for this. He, he obviously uh, Hugh Jones had a had a big game the last game. You know, we saw all his we saw all, all his attacking flair, and it, you know he's a fantastic player. But I think this game was always going to be about pressure and keeping mm. pressure on the French. And I think having Chris Harris stifling the French, I think, was a big plus because I, I you know France. France did go out there wanting to play rugby. They wanted to get the ball wide. They wanted to score tries. They wanted that bonus point win. And you know, Chris Harris was, I said, you, well, you ain't going to get them going through <laughs> me. So, uh, you know, I think that was, uh, I think it was the right call from, from Townsend there. So, you, you know, big plus there. Nice to see a little bit of Hugh Jones later in the game because he showed he can, you, you, you know, be effective in this sort of game. And particularly when, the, you know, maybe the game is tiring. But, you know, Chris Harris, yeah, definitely outstanding performance yeah and another player who obviously had a great game was Van de Merva uh, he was absolutely outstanding I think he's impressed the whole tournament but uh, in particular this game he's just he can score tries and there's a lot to be said for that the the one thing about Van de Merva I feel is he should really offer himself more in the midfield uh, I think he's sometimes maybe a little bit guilty of just waiting out on the wing to be given the ball just uh, straight to him. Whereas he's a big lad, you know, I could see him taking some big crash balls up the centre, uh, drawing in a lot of defenders before Scotland spread it wide, giving it possibly to someone like Darcy Graham who can show off his speed. But yeah, he's, uh, he's obviously relatively new into this Scottish team. So he ran in two tries as well. So I'm sure we can forgive him for that. But yeah, Van der Merwe, what do we think of this guy? Yeah, I, I agree. With you. I think the issue of sometimes, like when when you're expecting more from wingers, maybe in the, their actual play. I think as Scotland maybe gets a little bit more settled midfield, you, you know, and he's more settled in the side, maybe we might see much more finesse. You know, this year it's year one, and we, you know, he he's done such a lot. If, if these guys are playing together for the next couple of years up to the World Cup, maybe maybe we might see him as a big big attacking force elsewhere on the pitch. Yeah. Chris, I know you've not always been the biggest Van der Merwe fan. He's taken. Uh, has he managed to convince you that he deserves a spot in the Lions team this year? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. It's one that I know that you and I have, have had a few back and forth on WhatsApp on. Um, but for any new Tartan rugby listeners, uh, stay tuned for Tubby's second podcast, which will be 
all about Duham and Amora and his whereabouts because Dobby never stops going on about him. Um, but I think I, I think I'm I'm leaning towards your fan club now, Tubby. Uh, he is a very good player, and also in terms of lion selection, he is um, he's Gatlin's prototype. He's that type of big build, big strong player who can sort of stand stand those those last ditch tackles, you know, mm-hmm. to get the ball over the line. And he shows he shows good finesse around um, in the twenty two when he's got the ball in hand. I I think I agree with you. I think if he could bring more aspects into his attacking game, almost like Josh Adams coming in off his wing, um, sort of being that extra man in the midfield and 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 sucking in players so that they so Scotland can ship the ball wide, that would be really good to see. Um, defensively, I think um, we might touch upon this. I still think he's got bits to go. Um, I've not I've not seen him often under high ball, so I'm not sure if that's an area of weakness. Maybe in the Lions, but um, I definitely think he's done enough to be on the plane. You can't, you can't really avoid the fact that he scored five. He's top try scorer in the Six Nations. He's six foot five, is he? And he's a, yeah, and he's he's quite a domineering character. So uh, you win this one. I know I disagreed earlier on in the uh, Six Nations, but you can get it on record that I agree with you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. I Chris. think you highlight a good point though about him defensively because that you know there was at least well there was definitely two tries he could have done better on, um, you know both halves and he was he was great first half but second second half I think he was quiet, um, you know and you know bar that step in from the wing to score, um, you know he he wasn't he wasn't there so yeah there's aspects he needs to improve on isn't there but um, yeah defensively just needs to up it a bit. Yeah, the the first try from the the French there, it it did look like, I don't know, I thought it looked like he was expecting the French winger to maybe cut in, um, because yeah, I completely agree with you there, Ian. It it looked like a bit of a pathetic attempt of a tackle, but then again, it's it's very easy to say that for sitting on the couch when you've got a French winger sprinting at you at full speed. Surrounded by six cans of tenants, I could make that (laughs) tackle. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I guess the other thing. You know, I guess it's what you get as well. I mean, he's a big, powerful winger, but you know, maybe in those tight defensive co- confines, he's he lacks the, the agility that you see from some other wingers. But that's probably a feature of him being, you know, such a big lad, isn't it? So you you, you, know, you can't have it, can't have it all. And it defense, I guess, maybe the more he plays, that's something you know. Your yeah. defense can't, you know, you've got the attacking skills. Defense is something you can improve yeah. on. You you know you can get you get a better feel for being in the right yeah. place at the right time. So, I, so. the, I mean that first try was a tricky one because three on one. So I think just the, the comms to get people back to that that blind side was a tricky one. So you know he was either way he was going to get done, but there was a miss pass there, and so if it was through the hands or the miss pass, either way, I think um, you know France were in. But you must have been delighted though, Ian. Missed tackle, raging, good content for the podcast, and two hundred and fifty quid in your back pocket. Two hundred and fifty one. Random over to score first, and Dulan to score second. Bittersweet. I was screaming uh, at the TV when he scored. There, I was like, "Well, it's brilliant." Yeah. yeah. This, this week's podcast sponsor. I never, I never put on. I never really bet much, um, but. 
when it's stupid odds like that. So why not? <laughs> so he's only saying that. To yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's actually lost five thousand pounds. He's, he's slowly trying to win back the wedding fund. BYOB at the wedding next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with all the points there, but one thing's for sure, he can certainly score tries. And I guess as a winger, that's the most important thing. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing him on the, the plane. He's South not Africa starting, though, just for the record. He's not starting. <laughs> well, well uh, I was about to ask who you'd have starting over him, but we'll, uh, we'll move on to the Lions talk in a minute. Obviously, a big moment in that game was the red card to Finn Russell, who, according to Camille, tried to <laughs> decapitate one of the French players. I personally thought it was a little bit harsh. I thought it was quite difficult to see. It looked like the TMO only looked at one angle. And I personally thought Russell's elbow was in was in the French player's shoulder. Um, I'm not so sure about the forearm and the hand. But as I said, we, didn't, we only had the one angle to look at. Chris, do you have any thoughts on the decapitation? Of the French number fifteen, yeah, I think it was. It's a tough one because Delan clearly had no hard feelings to Finn when uh, they shook hands. Um, so he obviously was still with it, and he didn't have to go for an HIA, which probably um, shows how much of a hit it actually was. I think it's a tough one, isn't it? And you're, I know we've discussed it before, but refs are increasingly aware of any contact to the face or any contact to the head is is always going to be reviewed with the utmost. Um, seriousness and Wayne Barnes was convinced that there that the elbow started at the head and made contact directly to the head and if you're looking at it letter of the law that's that's a red card I thought it was maybe a bit harsh I thought um it started at the shoulder and slipped up um I'd also question the fact that in terms of uh, mitigation whether and I don't know if refs can be this critical whether Doolan's tackling technique should have been a bit lower. Um, because if someone's starting high, it's tough to it's tough to fend off in general. And there's always gonna be that danger of slipping up to the head and neck area. So I'm I know it's not in the ref's remit to say that was a poor tackle, but um I guess I don't disagree with the decision that it was a red card, but it's one of those ones which I think is harsh. Yeah. Just to clarify, I think Wayne Barnes said it was, yeah, the contact was with the mm-hmm. throat. Um, but yeah, like as, as you're saying. Yeah, that, head, head neck area. Yeah, head neck area. Uh, Ian, what do you think about Finn Russell's red card? Do you think it was a little harsh? <laughs> yeah, I think if you isolate the incident, I think it, it's harsh. But I mean, Overall, the whole Six Nations, if you look at the Six Nations, it kind of falls in line with where the refs have been going. I mean, there's been more card combinations than your average game of poker. Um, but <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, you know, you look at the whole thing and, and they, they, he's going to get a card, isn't he, just because of the previous um, the previous games. Um, but I think, I think it's mad. I think it doesn't do much for the state of rugby and where it's going to go. If that's, if that's a red, um, I mean... <laughs> At the end of the day, it's a physical, um, a physical um, game. So, you know, if that's Dupont standing there, he takes his head off. If it's Olive on, it's straight to the chest. So, it's. I think it's. I think it's pretty mad um, that that we're getting cards for that kind of, that kind of, um, yeah, position. But 
it, it follows the trend. This the Six Nations, doesn't it? So you can't really say much. But I think um, that that is that is a, a sort of fair point. But you know, the contact was to the head. The players know the yeah. contact is not supposed to be to the head. And I think what the referees are trying to do, although it sounds very brutal in this year's championship, a bit like in the World World Cup, is that. They're trying to modify behaviour, and it's gonna. It only really takes the red card yeah. to actually ultimately do mm-hmm. that. Um, you, you know that the elbow is up there, and it. You know, I think we've had this. I think nearly all the sending offs. There's, there's been very. I think, that with the exception of the very first one, in fact. I mean, I think everyone's actually been. They've all been a little bit borderline, haven't they? Each one of them. That none of you have said, "Oh, that's terrible." It was only that first one in the island. In the Ireland Wales game, that you really said, well, that guy's got to go. All of them were, you know, they there was nothing malicious about them, uh, you, you know. So, I think the players are just going to, the players and the coaches are just going to have to continue continue working on that. And just as a sort of final point, just from the referees' point of view, the referees now are very much, although they look for mitigation, they do go on out on what the outcome mm-hmm. of the situation is. So. You know, nothing might be malicious at all. And certainly I think that's the case of Finn Russell. But at the end of the day, his elbow did go into the throats of Durant's. And that's what the referee yeah. will make the decision on. There may be mitigation if he was dropping quickly, which in Durant's case, he obviously wasn't. But uh, it's a hard call, yeah. But it's, I think maybe next year we might see the players getting, getting mm. more wise to these things. And we'll see red, less red cards because no, of that. Fair so. enough. Well, that's, that's very interesting to hear you say that, Tim, as you were certainly a very angry man during the 70th minute on Friday. But, uh, <laughs> put that down to a motion. Well, well, no, it, it is interesting because, I, 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 I mean, even if, it's a, even if it's a, you know, obviously if, you, if it's your side, you, you, you're so desperate having lost a player. But when you're watching even the other games, you know, it's such a killer for a game, you, you know, particularly if it's very early in the game. I mean, fortunately, in this case, the French... The French replacement scrum half after coming on for a couple of yeah. months sort of departed with the yellow card. So, so there wasn't much of a sort of benefit. But, you know, rugby games really can be ruined by, you know, Ireland played fantastically against Wales in the first game. And yet, you know, being down, they, 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 they were basically down to 14 men for yeah. the vast, which is equivalent to having about seven yellow cards, in fact, because they lost, they lost a player so early. So, so it's it's incredibly frustrating, and even more so if it's someone you're, you know, does lose Finn Russell was was devastating, you know, and you say, oh yes, that shouldn't be allowed. But you know, when you look at them in, as I say, these these breakdown in details, and maybe a couple of hours after the game, you know, you've got to admit these referees they analyse this thing that you you know they are giving cards mm-hmm. by the letter of the law, and the letter of the law is trying to save these yeah. sort of head type yeah. concussions. So. As a you know, as a, obviously a fan of Scotland, you're sort of incredibly frustrated. But then, you know, as Ian was saying, you know, rugby's got to be seen to be protecting yeah. players from serious injuries. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and yeah, thankfully for Scotland, it was in the the last ten minutes, and it was followed shortly after by a, a yellow card to the French player. And also, I'd just like to reiterate what Hamish said last week. Uh, there's no doubt that the referees are being consistent with these decisions. There doesn't seem to be any biasness towards any of the teams or anything like that, which is good to see. And it was also good to see Adam Hastings coming on uh, soon after the Hog red card, uh, the Russell red card, sorry. 
Uh, and Hastings throwing that sensational pass out to, to Van der Merwe for the final try. Uh, I've not, I've, I'm not going to lie, I've not been fully convinced by Hastings uh, playing in the international setup. But I have to say that that pass was sensational. Ian, what do you, what do you think of the final try in the what I think was the 82nd yeah, minute? Yeah, it was a good try, game? wasn't it? And I don't know how many phases we went through, but it was a lot of phases, wasn't it? To keep the ball. And normally we'd fold in that. We'd give away a penalty or we'd seal off or do something stupid. And we didn't. We just kept going, kept going until the moment was there. And um, yeah, we had the overlap, didn't we? Um, great finish from Van der Merwe, good strength. But um, yeah, again, great pass straight out of Russell's playbook, that one. And yeah, he's he's been good. But to come and throw that pass, have the confidence to throw that pass after being banned for however many games he got banned with Glasgow, didn't he? So he's been out and uh, plus his injury. So fair play to him. Um, yeah, Hastings, it was a uh, it was good ball. Yeah, no, he was. I think he was out for three weeks or something like that. But yeah, an excellent yeah. passenger play from Scotland at the end. Some surprising. Uh, it was slightly surprised the French player didn't decide to kick the ball out. Uh, once, once they managed to turn over possession, I don't quite know what they were trying to do there. He won me 250 quid, so I'm not going to say too much. Yeah, he's in the good books, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, Chris, you got any anything to add? Uh, about that I think, it, yeah, it was just the culmination of, of a very good passage of play from Scotland. Um, credit to Hastings for that mispass. Um, I was actually berating him about two minutes beforehand when he when he tried to put the kick in behind with with a minute 45 left on the clock and when it was key to have Scotland ball in hand I was perplexed as to why he kicked it away but obviously we got the penalty off the back of that and I said maybe he's just a ta- tactical genius and I just don't know anything um, uh, definitely that one yeah definitely that one but um yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's good it's just good to see Scotland being able to just as Ian said to to see out a, a victory or not even see out a victory but actually snatch a victory from the jaws of defeat um especially albeit with Bryce Dulan being an undercover Scotsman and giving us an opportunity to see it out but there were some really really tough phases of play it was a it was a 20 phase uh, play finish before the try. So for Scotland to to work through twenty phases and get that try, it was just unbelievable. And uh, yeah, definitely meant that I opened a, a bottle of wine afterwards and enjoyed the victory. <laughs> uh, good man. Uh, trying to imagine the scenes if we'd all been in the yeah. pubs at that point. That two hundred and fifty quid would have been gone yeah. in seconds. Yeah. Pints all right. If we'd been in the pub, you'd have, probably the telly would have gone off after the next day. So. No, it was a truly excellent game from Scotland and really nice to see them squeeze out that victory after what's been a slightly unfortunate Six Nations to, for them with losing to, to Wales and Ireland both at home. It's been quite interesting that they've managed to win their two away games. Um, do you think the crowd maybe has something to do with that? Probably, uh, to some extent. But I think if that's what we needed to get Scotland uh, winning away, then whatever. Um, let, let, let's, take, let's take the experience we've won away and, uh, and keep pushing forward. 
Well, it's interesting. I, I, mean, I guess the other interesting point on that, because these games are neutral, is it? I think one area, and possibly an area of concern for Scotland, is that they sort of, when they know they're up against sort of opposition, that they're maybe not ex less expected to win. And this is all due respect to what Stuart Hogg the other, said the other day. They seem to sort of play better at the slight underdog's mantle still than maybe when, when they're considered more likely to win as they were in the, first of all, in the Wales game and then in the Ireland game. So they seem to have their best performances yeah. in these sort of tough corners. And they've got to sort of maybe start winning games that they should yeah. win, if you know what I mean. They're, there's no problem with them, as I say, their commitment, their style of play. But they may be just a little bit lacking in putting away opposition that they can beat. And that's an area, I think, that will, you know, Gregor Townsend yeah. will be looking to address. What about what-if scenario here? Do we, what do we think could have happened if that game had gone ahead as planned? It's easy to say Scotland would have gone ahead and won the Six Nations, obviously. But if they'd come away a victory against France, I would tell you, they would have been really up for that game against Ireland. Not that they weren't already, but there would have been, you know, a Six Nations title on the yeah. cards. I think, um, yeah, I think, as you say, if, we'd, if we, that game had gone ahead and we'd beaten France... Genuinely think we would have beaten Ireland, um, and yeah, we, we may, maybe it was different, but you know we have to can't look back. But yeah, it, it probably would have been different against Ireland. Um, but. It's I think it's interesting. Um, I think if that France match would have gone ahead, and if it was a similar result, um, one thing that that would have been in Scotland's favour would have been the fact that they went three weeks without a competitive match, and I think. You mentioned it on that podcast uh, the other week. Scotland looked tired coming out the gate against Ireland, or not tired. They looked, they didn't look like they had that speed, that usual game speed that they they usually do. Um, so it would be interesting from that perspective, where momentum's with them, whether they would have come out and hit the ground running rather than being a bit slower. So it's a tough one. I think um, you could sit here for hours and say, "What if? What if?" But um, I certainly think they would have had, there would have been a, a mental edge to Scotland's game going into that Ireland match if, if, if the circumstances that happened on Friday night would have happened in round three, which again, there's no saying that that would have been the case. It would have been a very different game, I guess. I mean, yeah. in fairness, France were chasing that game, you know, not yeah. just a win, they were chasing it to sort of bonus point and. Their hope when they went onto that pitch was, uh, you, you know, clean Scotland out. And Scotland were far too good to do that against. Whereas if they'd have just been looking to win, yeah. you know, you could have had a different result. So, it, you know, we won't know. I mean, as it is, I think, you know, it's a very, it was a very good championship. I mean, a little word for Ireland, because I think Ireland probably, they produced, you know, they lost the first two games. They lost the first game with having lost a man early. They lost a very tight game against France, and then they, yeah. they produced three very strong games. Yeah. So you know they were a good side, and maybe you know if they things had run a bit differently, they could have they could have been celebrating a, a championship. So yeah. I guess there's yeah. a lot of what ifs and maybes in the way it's been. I mean, I think we just have to appreciate yeah. the game on Friday for what it was. It it ended up a, a, an outlier from the rest of the matches, but golly. <laughs> 
what an outlier to have. What yeah. a way to spend a, a final Friday night. A real bonus Friday night. You know, no, no sort of Six Nations with Jaws. We were able to sort of, uh, yeah. you know, but, really have a good uh, night. So It was an absolutely fantastic game to see off uh, outstanding tournament. The whole tournament's been brilliant. It's been incredibly competitive. Uh, maybe excluding England and Italy, but the, the other four nations have been absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight, but make sure you join in next week where we'll be doing a bonus episode and putting together a Tartan Rugby Lions 15. Thank you very much to Chris and Ian for coming back on the show. It's been great to hear your thoughts. And thank you as well to Camille for your input and all the best for the upcoming season down in Marseille. Thanks to everyone listening from home and again make sure you tune in next week for the bonus episode. Bye for now.